Rob, great to have you on once again. Uh, World Championships out in Australia. Uh, one, I'm not even going to pronounce pronounce where it was. Uh, Wollongong. Wollongong, it. I think is what I've been hearing, yeah. That's it. Was that an hour away from Sydney? Um, changing conditions during the week. The women uh, road race was quite cool. Bit of rain. Men's road race uh, warmed up considerably. Uh, but we'll start with the TT early in the week. Um, shocking. Uh, well, not shocking in a in a good way. Um, uh, big surprise. Um, yeah, talk us through it. Yeah, big big shock. I think going into this race, there were two quite clear favourites, being Remco Vanderpol and Filippo Ganna, probably two big favourites. But you know, with the uh, the jet lag of travelling over to Australia, um, sort of sometimes get these surprise results, and with the time trial being the kind of the first event of these championships it's probably the one where where that jet lag is going to be uh having the most effect and um yeah so potentially some interesting results and for me definitely an interesting set of results i'd have not really believed you if you told me who the winner was and uh yeah another thing going into this race was that um no wout van art wout van art one of the big favorites people would probably consider him potentially arguably the most successful time trialist this season, but he uh, decided to not start, instead just focusing solely on the uh, the road race. And um, yeah, really interesting race that unfolded. Fairly flat circuit with some rolling hills. Well, actually, no, one quite major climb on the circuit, but yeah, no mountain, no mountain passes or really significant hills like we've seen in previous uh, world championships. But yeah, big surprise in Tobias Foss taking the win. Yeah, first win for Norway uh, in the time trial. Uh, incredible uh, circuit in the city. There are um, a considerable number of terms, 28 in fact, uh, which may have played a role, uh, perhaps slowing down some of the bigger and better engines out there, uh, like Philippe Ghana, for example. Um, it's quite surprising. Evenepoel, of course, fresh off his uh, Vuelta win. Uh, and, of course, we're going to speak about his uh, road race win as well uh, at the Worlds. Uh, but he actually, uh, I don't know if you saw this, but he actually produced his highest power, Evenepoel did. Um, but, yeah, uh, shock win by Tobias, um, outclassing all the all of them. But, as you mentioned, it's it's got to do with not just... Uh, the fact that they're just riding the TT, uh, 34.2 kilometers technical, uh, but there's a lot of factors involved, including, as you mentioned, being uh, literally on the other side of the world. Yeah, for sure. And like you say as well, all those corners, Remco pretty bad at cornering, especially on his TT bike. I think we've seen races earlier on in the year. And then if you do side-by-side comparisons of, Ganner and Evanapol, like Gan, like Ganner is much faster through the corners, and I, I'm assuming to be to be making up the sort of time he was. Foss pretty rapid through the corners as well. Um, Kung definitely a fantastic bike handler on his TT bike also, but yeah, I could see maybe maybe Remco losing up to nine seconds over 40 minutes certainly wouldn't be a surprise. I think he'd uh, much prefer the more of a straight line time trial. But yeah, mechanicals, um, also having and crashes actually having a large effect on the result. I think American um American rider 
by the name of um, Magnus Sheffield. Looked yeah. like he was really in contention for the podium, if not the win, uh, but crashing quite brutally into the barriers at high speed. And uh, shows on these courses, cornering does really make quite a difference when the margins are quite low. And, you know, I think he put everything into it. And, yeah, sadly, sadly pushed himself too far, crashing out, coming 17th. Um, Ethan Hayter... Also, potential winner, um, chain falling off, it seemed. So, so yeah, two, two Ineos riders who could have really also kind of been surprise winners having quite unfortunate uh, rides as well. There was a mechanical in the women's TT as well. I, I, there was talk of, um, you know, the new Shimano drivetrain having issues, uh, dropping chains and whatnot. Uh, it's, it's quite a few riders mentioned. So, um, probably, obviously, Shimano is well known for... It's a reliance, um, but with the new group set out, perhaps there's some teething problems, and it showed with, as you mentioned, um, top class athlete, top class, top top team, uh, struggling with basic. Well, we say basic mechanicals, but when you're putting that much power through the bike, it's it's no wonder they get mechanicals here and there. Um, but over to Stefan Kung, another near miss, three seconds off. Oh, less than three seconds off. Um, do you think he'll get another chance like that again? Yeah, I think so. Kung's been very... Um, he's been a lot worse in time trials this year than he has been in previous years. But clearly, I think that's kind of because he's been prioritising his actual road racing, his like, classic riding, putting a great ride at Tour de Swiss as well, maybe even focusing on his climbing a bit. Um, but clearly going into this world, he's never going to win the road race, not really his course. Um, but yeah, went back to his time trial, I presume put a lot of hours in on the time trial bike and uh, it really showed. And yeah, another near miss for the man. You know, he's won European championships in the past. He's won some quite big um, like world tour time trials. But yeah, sadly, it's just not coming for him. And I'm sure he'll be back in the next three years. Sure, he'll top five again a couple more times, but he's never put in an unreal performance for me. He's always like a consistent challenger, but he's just always that little bit short. And I hope he, I like Kung as a rider. I hope he manages it. He's got that nice sort of semi underdog feel to him. And um, yeah, I'm sure he'll keep knocking on the door for the next few years to come for sure. Yeah, definitely. It's probably worth stepping back a second, Rob, and just talking about what the World Championships is. So, of course, uh, it's it's the one race in the year, um, well, uh, the road race anyway, whereby teams or, or riders step back away from their trade teams and race in the national team colours. Uh, so, you see, there's some incredible imagery with uh, the very, very famous Belgium national kit uh, being uh, worn and so as, as much as the French kit as well. Of course, you have teams from Britain and uh, whatnot as well. Um, and this is the one time you get, uh, you could say amateurs racing the pros uh, because you have riders out from uh, places like Pakistan, uh, different various teams from um, Africa, uh, whereby the riders are not professional um in the normal sense and um they often ride with either their personal bikes or bikes that are donated to them uh with tech from 10 15 years ago i wouldn't be surprised if someone was riding uh, perhaps a 10 or even 11 the outdated 11 speed stuff uh so it's a really like it's almost like uh, the olympics whereby 
um it has a real uh real uh, i don't know not so international worldwide yeah it's like, yeah it's not exactly like the world exactly it's very much nicer and inclusive yeah absolutely absolutely so uh, you have the world tour as you mentioned which is very very european uh and perhaps australian as well and well, you have a few riders from australia new zealand perhaps but it's very very european and perhaps Again, uh, from America as well. Uh, I guess you could say it's very uh, white Caucasian, uh, whereas the world's uh, yeah. it's 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 more of a it's not as much, but you definitely get riders from different nations coming together, um, and it has a different. It has that rawness, uh, at least from my side. It has a different rawness to it. Um, it gives. Uh, I saw an article uh, or an interview of a Bangladeshi rider. Uh, he he was close to um, 40 years old, uh, and he had only been riding a bike about six years, and he he's, he's at the World Championships, you know. Um, so it kind of gives, at least from the uh, minnows, the smaller nations, like hope uh, to riders um, to achieve big things. And I'm hoping, really hoping, that something comes from that in the future. Uh, we've spoke about previously, you know, African nations, uh, taking up things like Zwift and we're going to see uh, more riders like Biniam Gamai come through. Um, but yeah, this is uh, an opportunity for them. I think it was last year uh, that Pakistan fielded the first ever road and TT team. Uh, they were here again, once again this year. And uh, it looks like some things are changing, but it's also worth mentioning, Rob, that there were many teams that abstained from heading over to Australia uh, just purely due to the cost. So Northern Ireland uh, or Ireland were, they were, you know, uh, just talking over the cost and the fact that they didn't actually have much of a chance of winning. They decided yeah, to send I think, their riders. I think as soon as they said that, uh, Archie Ryan, a very good under-23 rider, put in a cracking result and took quite a significant win. So I think you might have argued that they could have done something, but yeah, yeah no, it's, um, it's unfortunate that, yeah, I, I get the UCI, like, yeah, they need to make the sport more international. We had lots of more of smaller nations kind of like, like Samoa coming over. Cause obviously yeah, yeah. for them, they can, they're never going to be able to afford to come up to Europe, which, yeah. Yeah. you know, obviously there's a gen- general bias to uh, world championships being in Europe because it is still a very European sport for sure. Um, but yeah, no, we didn't quite see the world championships with everyone there, but yeah, the main, the main protagonists are always going to come for me. It's the, for me, it's the biggest one day race of the year outside of the Olympic years. Um, no, it's bigger than the Olympics. Come on. You think it's bigger than the Olympics? Yeah, I think so. For the, for the riders mm. themselves, I think from the outside, uh, the Olympics fine. Um, you know, uh, it's, it's definitely more important. But for these European nations and for the European riders themselves, uh, obviously Carapaz won it and he's probably some sort of, um, folk hero now in his home <laughs> country. Yeah. Right. But, yeah. For sure. Um, for these European nations, I, I think they would still much, or rather the riders individually, they would much prefer to, I don't know, win the rainbow bands as opposed to the gold. Well, it's a, it's a gold medal, right? And uh, gold, I'm, I'm yeah. sure that they, they would love that. But I don't know. I just feel like there's there's so much more folklore associated with the, the rainbow world. bands. So, yeah. so much tradition, yeah. Absolutely. 
Yeah, no, I understand you. I think, yeah, it can be argued either way, I think some people would say. But yeah, for me, ah, for me, I'll just always love the Olympics too. Uh, it should always be the biggest thing to me. I think that the tour, the tour outclasses the Olympics. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. But for me, uh, yeah, for me, I respect the Olympics more than world championships. But yeah, no, you can certainly argue either way for sure. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, again, it, it's, uh, it's mentioning the fact that it was in Australia. Um, actually, uh, Norway didn't, didn't expect a winner. Um, nor did their, uh, journalists, nor did their fans. So there wasn't a massive, following no uh, i don't think anyone would have said tobias Voss was gonna win yeah you yeah did. yeah you had he, um you had even, uh yeah go on no he's even like the time trials he's done this year like the solid like top 10 at the Giro and stuff in some of them and then he's like ninth at one at the dutchland tour even within this last month and it weren't a world-class field there at that time trial so so yeah, genuine surprise. I think I ran an interview from him. He said he was aiming for top ten, top five as his very ambitious target. But yeah, to win it was uh, definitely not what he expected. But fair play to the man. Absolutely, and uh, yeah, there were some uh, quotes from a Norwegian, uh, a Norwegian pundit saying, you know, we we, we had zero zero hope. Um, <laughs> that they weren't they weren't expecting like they literally weren't expecting it, and uh, they didn't spend the money to fly out and follow the story and whatnot and uh, i'm sure they're all kicking themselves now right uh, yeah yeah for sure so over to the road race in that case uh Evenepo, uh doing what he does best um incredible incredible win uh riding away uh but let's start at the beginning if you want to talk through what happened in the race so, yeah, starting off in the race, quite a lot of um, aggression from the French. They've just really got a team strength and depth. It's probably worth mentioning they, they, they enjoy doing stuff like that, uh, the French. It's, it's a chance for them to show off almost. Uh, and we were talking, they wear the um, national team colours. And it's just something, it's, it, it, I feel like it's some sort of French pride that they have to ride aggressively. Uh, yeah. You feel the same. Um, I feel, yeah, they love a bit of aggression, but I also feel, you say the French in cycling, I just think behind the times, just sometimes yeah, a bit, well, a bit yeah. slow, not really that good of thinkers, but but yeah, no, good bit of aggression from them. They get uh, Pavel Sivakov, formerly of Russia, but he's now <laughs> uh, transferred his allegiance to France, yeah. keeping his popularity and his space in the World Championships up. Um and yeah, no, it looked like a good move for them. And then the groups sort of swelled over time. Um, to be honest, I, I I thought I couldn't believe the amount of talent that was allowed up the roads. Australia also being given quite a lot of rope, getting Luke Plapp and Ben O'Connor up there as well. And, you know, real, real strength and depth of these large breakaway groups, but eventually getting brought back. And uh, once this large group was brought back, counter-attack moved, Again, a very large group, lots of big names um, going up the road. And the biggest one uh, being one of the top five favourites for the race, Remco Vendepol was in there. And uh, yeah, from there on in, I feel he's the real danger rider. And, you know, there's one way Remco wins races, and it's generally when he goes solo. And um, yeah, that's what he was looking to do. And he managed to, uh, to get get away get his dream 
um, this time taking Alexi Lutsenko with him. But yeah, any thoughts from you, Junaid, on that earlier part of the race? Um, there, there's something that happened even before the race. Um, Matthew oh, Vanderpoel yeah. is the, uh, well, he was, in my opinion, he was perhaps the favourite or at least top top three favourite. Um, but he almost yeah. didn't make it to the start line. Um, there was uh, a lot more of the story has just come out, in fact, that uh, there was two teenage girls, very young, 13, 14 years old, uh, who are disturbing him. Uh, initial reports was that he was arrested uh, for assault of the girls. Um, just just very, uh, like perhaps a few hours ago, uh, he's, he came out and said um, he didn't assault them. Um, he never hurt them. However, there are videos now of him grabbing the girls and uh, perhaps uh, pushing them to the wall, uh, some exchange of words. So it started with, of course, um, tensions are very high. He spent ap- uh, apparently 20,000 euros uh, to get to uh, Australia, uh, obviously flying first class and whatnot. Um, it's it's a bit silly that apparently they weren't at a very good hotel, so they've spent all this money getting to Australia, but uh, the hotel itself wasn't an excellent one, nor was it near to the World Championships. It was out in Sydney, an hour away. Um, but anyway, they, he, he kept getting, um, uh, we used to call it, what, knockdown ninja. Uh, I'm not sure if you called it the same uh, when you were a youngster. Uh, I didn't go around to hotels rocking bulls, <laughs> to be honest, Janet. I wasn't in London, I was in a very small town, so I was a long way from hotels, unfortunately. But, no, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, well, he, well these two <laughs> girls, I, I don't know if they... Um, they were uh, targeting him because of his fame or uh, it was just a game they were playing on anyone and everyone. And uh, what happened was they did it again and he chased it, li- quite literally chased them to their room, uh, went in their room and, uh, well, uh, like I said, uh, held one of them up against oh. the wall, uh, chased oh, wow. out. Oh, I didn't realise yeah. he went in the room. He yeah, went yeah, in yeah, room. yeah, 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 um, yeah. Oh, wow. That Oh, that is something quite special, actually. Yeah, that is... Yeah. And, uh, yeah, no, like you previously had been like, like, yeah, punish the girls for sure. But God, he went in their room. I'm surprised at that. But yeah, yeah like you say, there's just so much this story. Like, why on earth? Like, oh, God. Why, why has his team not sorted this out? Um, like, why, he, why did he, he not have... get the team to sort that out or the management like, of the hotel? A, should just be a phone call straight away. Like, Absolutely. he should have, like, five staff with him at least just get three of them to stand outside the door and stand when you've outside invested the... uh what 20 well like, f- like... forget him spending twenty thousand pounds he's brought a whole team out uh his bikes uh all of that cost money taken literally across to the other side of the world perhaps hundred thousand pound plus has gone into uh his world championship day and um, it's been ruined by something silly he's done, but it could have been avoided just by uh, just better management. Uh, it's interesting. I was listening to Larry Warbass. Um, he was saying previously, uh, it, it, it's been it, it's common knowledge, and uh, Mitch Drucker said the same. Like uh, when they're racing, in fact, and uh, you you don't have a chance of winning, and uh, your team isn't very good, or they've been dropped, you actually offer money uh, to other teams. 
uh, or to other riders to ride for you. Um, it's, it can be as much as 10, 15 grand. Uh, and there's, all, uh, there's a history of foul play during the World Championships as well. So I'm wondering uh, if someone has something to do with it and has paid the girls to uh, try and ruin his night before the big day. My brother said this to me as well. Like, it does kind of make sense. It's quite an easy thing to do, but I don't know if I trust 13, 14 year old girls to do it. You think? You think well, it would be a lot cheaper than to get someone 30 or 40 some, year old to do it, you know? <laughs> some big, massive bloke to be knocking on his door and just standing there. That bloke probably goes to prison, the girls probably, yeah. But yeah, you'd think, oh, well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't trust girls to do it. To be honest, it's probably oh, as you think any anyone's gonna they're probably gonna leak it. What what are you bribing random 13, 14 year old Australians with? Like can't exactly give them ten grand, can you? Sort of thing. So so yeah, I I don't know, but yeah, my brother thought it'd be a fantastic little uh, Netflix docu series if Walt Van Art and Remco have uh, just found some willing Australian teenagers to help them out for ice cream or whatever. But, but yeah, no, it's, it's crazy. I, I, um, yeah, obviously I don't know what actually happened, but yeah, it, it just shouldn't, it shouldn't have happened. The, the, whoever's in charge of the Dutch team should be in trouble. Whoever was in charge of Alperson and Alperson, um, De Koenig should be in trouble for allowing this to happen. And, uh, yeah, it's just shocking. It can happen to be honest, but I, I I didn't I didn't really feel too sorry for the girls to be honest. Like oh, yeah, I know you kids, but like you shouldn't shouldn't be knocking on doors. Yeah, and you stuff. can't be chasing them as well, Rob. Um, yeah, yeah, but there are. Oh, I don't know, mate. I don't know. Anyway, he was arrested. <laughs> uh, he was fined. He was released at I think like four a.m. in the morning. Uh, he almost didn't take the start line. He did take the start line. Uh, lasted about 30k and uh, going the team car basically. So uh, this is another interesting theory from uh, from my brother yet again. He's full of them. It's the bookies. The okay. um, so obviously Van der Poel's big favourite. A lot of money would have been put on him. Um, and if you were a bookie and you well, not even a bookie like individuals can sort of like lay bets on one rider to win so say you get 10 grand you basically bet 10 grand on Matthew van der Poel to not win and then you disturb him like this that's actually quite an easy 10,000 pounds to be fair Um, which makes more sense than you know Remco or Wout doing it Mm. Um, but but yes still still quite a ambitious theory although actually Quite an easy crime to commit. Could but actually be quite easy money, but due, due to the history, yeah. like like I said, there, there've been quite literally uh, times in the world. I can't remember which year it was, but there was a rider who literally, quite literally, rode into another rider on purpose. Um, really? Yeah, wow. yeah. There've, there've been other instances as well, um, and this is stories from within within the peloton. Um, so, yeah, it's a. Uh, and they say it's well common knowledge out in Belgium, you know, the commesses, they're they're always thrown and whatnot. Uh, so yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Um there's something into it and I'm sure it will come out uh, perhaps not soon, but it'll come out one day, I'm sure. 
Yeah, yeah. I'd love a bit of drama like that if there was some sort of uh, slow environment like that. But I doubt it. I'm sure it's probably just some silly kids. It's, but, it, yeah. it's interesting that it happens in cycling, but not other, any other like major sport. You, you wouldn't ever hear about this in Formula One. Uh, or... Oh, I bet there's, I'm sure there's a good bit of corruption in a lot of oh, sports. Oh, yeah, well, absolutely. Sure but, but kids knocking on the... All the football know. players, yeah. Yeah. Like these yeah, guys are super. Crazy. These guys are superstars within cycling. Um, of course, they're not paid nowhere near like a tennis star or a football star, but yeah, um, they're still on very, very good money. And uh, yeah. I don't know, I don't know. Um, but anyway, over to the race. Uh, Venipol, uh What? Uh, I've got a good nugget for you. Uh, he won by the biggest margin uh, in world championship history for well over a century. Um, oh, a century! I thought you were yeah. going to say ten years. No, no, no. You got no. A century. Minutes. Wow. There's normally yeah, been, it's, it's, it's never been uh, minutes. Basically, it's always been super tight. Um, yeah, you, you very, very rarely get a, an instance of a rider riding away like that. Um, and yeah, and uh, when you get a Venipole, uh on on his own, he can get small. And of course, we know he's a fantastic time trialist. And uh, yeah, uh, there was no catching him. And yeah, as I mentioned, uh, biggest win in a world championship road race for well over a century. Crazy. Well, good start, Jaleed. I love that one. That's a good one. Come on. And then uh, so... It kind of uh, we spoke about this last last time we were on. Um, he's obviously the Vuelta winner. He won a monument. He's won the World Championships. He's he, he joins a very uh, exclusive club uh, with Eddie Merckx, in fact, and a few others of doing such a feat in one one season. And he's probably got the best season of twenty twenty two. I imagine. Uh, obviously, Van Art was uh, doing really well. He won several stages, but. Uh, non-existent here and perhaps uh, no real monuments to his name this year either. Uh, Van der Poel obviously had the injuries. Um, I guess you can uh, argue Vingago uh, winning the tour, but across the board, Van der Poel has really showed his potential. Uh, Belgian press has uh, always said or uh, piled a lot of pressure on his shoulders uh, when he was coming through, saying he's the next Eddie Merckx, and he failed to live up to it for many years. Uh, but I feel like he's finally come come good, and uh, yeah, he, he, there's no stopping him almost. And we spoke about the fact that uh, his manager, team boss, uh, Patrick Lefebvre, said he won't be at the tour next year, but um, I feel almost his hands will be tied, and uh, people will be demanding that he's at the tour next year. I, I well, yeah, I think he, I think he, I think I can understand why you do a Giro first. I think in terms of who's had the best season, I think you wouldn't have said Evenepoel before the Vuelta. That's right. By then, he just had the age, but a great back end of the season, world road race champs, and. Uh, and, you know, he's only nine seconds off winning the time trial as well, to yeah. be fair. So could have got really greedy in the last last month or two. Um, but, but yeah, I I don't think he wins the Tour next year. I think climbing-wise, like, yeah, Roglic was there and he outclimbed Roglic a fair few times. But uh, 2022 Roglic is not the best version of Roglic we've seen. And yeah. 
yeah, maths was good, but you know, I don't think anyone's ever putting maths down as even. Uh, I think saying Enric Mass for a podium for the tour is pretty generous to the man, to be honest. And yeah, Remco beat him, but he wasn't head and shoulders above him, to be honest. So I think he's still an improving cyclist, Remco. I'm not saying he won't win the tour one day, but I, I don't see him climbing on the level of Pogaccia or Vingegaard when they're on their tour form anytime soon. I think he's still a long way off that, but. Um, yeah, I think he uh, probably could, probably will maybe. Mm, I'll give him about a 50-50 chance of winning the Tour one day. Um, I don't think he wins it next year. I think he challenges for the podium next year. I think if he goes to the Giro, I think he 75, probably... 75 miles of time trial. So it's it's literally like inviting him in. Um, so if he doesn't go... Uh, it'd be a bit stupid. Uh, yeah, but be. remember, remember, remember Vingegaard and Pagacha when they turn up to the tour, their time trialing steps up so much. They were basically on the same level as Welt um, in the tour time trials, and that's when they've been racing every day. I don't think Evanapol takes time out of them in the time trials when they're on their top time trialing form which only happens at the tour pagacha's tour de france time trialers are pretty impressive if tour de france pagacha turns up to world time trial champs i'm i'm seeing him as one of the favorites same as same with vingegaard to be fair vingegaard sat up in that final time trial for me at the tour i feel he gifted that winter well on that final time trial so yeah i agree i agree that big time trial Certainly suits him over like an Enric Mass, but those those two are really something special at the moment. Those two are really head and shoulders above that was a spectacular Grand Tour performance from those two. So I, I agree. I think yeah, uh, yeah. You probably most people say send him to the tour, but I I do understand the feather and not not sending him to the tour because everyone in Belgium would expect him to win. I don't think he would win. So. So, yeah, spanning the works uh, here, Rob. Um, the world championships next year is a lot earlier, it's in August. Uh, it's actually up in Glasgow, perhaps. Uh, we'll go, um, maybe they might hopefully, budget. fingers crossed, mate. <laughs> budget, fingers crossed. The, budget to go, <laughs> perhaps, but let's see. Uh, but yeah, it's it's literally it's a long train journey, yeah. Well, that's true. So I think it's about eight hours from London, which is bonkers. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's not worth thinking about but uh in terms of uh the timing it's it's a week or two after the tour so if you're going to the tour uh you're almost definitely not going to the world championships or you're going as a supporting role uh you won't be in uh, fine form so uh, i think that will that will change uh several things um with regards to who's going to prioritize what next year and it'll be interesting to see what kind of dynamics that throws out. Yeah, for sure. I think, yeah, two weeks. Um, yeah, it's, it's not ideal. It's not ideal preparation for sure. Um, although how many weeks after the Vuelta did Remco have for these world championships? I uh, think. Yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point you make there. But um, I, I feel like the tour is different to the Vuelta uh, in the sense that it's going to be a heck more demanding. 
Uh, not to say that yeah. the project is easy, but um, I think mentally, yeah, mentally a lot more demanding. But yeah, it was only two weeks after the end of the Vuelta um, to when Remco won the World Championships, and yeah, only a week after he came third in the time trial. So uh, he kind hop- of you you could argue he wrapped up the Vuelta, and uh, it was just riding there. Yeah. Right? You know what I mean? I don't know. True. True. Um, I don't. I don't think it's an advantage to do the tour before. That's for sure. But um, I. I don't think you have to choose one or the other. I think it's possible to do well in both for sure. Um, maybe win both. But but yeah, it's an interesting dilemma. And I think if you do want to do well in the world, you kind of got to come into the first part of the tour a bit, a bit undercooked. In a way, like some people, like if you're dying off in the last week of the tour, kind of like Pogaccia did in a way, you've, you've got to kind of be more the opposite end. You've got to be like Wout Bernard and Vingegaard, who were really shining in those last three days sort of thing, which is very hard for a coach nutritionist to all plan, but can be done. So, so yeah, but it's certainly an interesting spanner in the works, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, and uh, it's another hilly one as well. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be, be a cold one as well. Be a uh, cold in one August, as well. You, uh, well, it, it won't in be Glasgow. Used, but... Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. It won't be thirty, forty degrees, which they're used to. Uh, it might be about fifteen, uh, with a slight drizzle here and there as well. So, yeah, probably similar to what it looked like in Australia. To be fair, I don't know what the temperature was. Probably a lot higher, but yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so on to next week. Uh, we have the fi- well, you could say the final big race of the season. Uh, it's also the final monument. Um, the falling leaves uh, out in Italy. Uh, Tour of Lombardy. Uh, what can you tell us about that? Tour of Lombardy. Yeah, final, final um, monument of the year. Like I totally agree. Final big race of the year. Um, yeah, very hilly monument. I think for me harder than the age uh, in terms of hills. No cobbles or anything at this one. It's in Italy. We're going to see lots of um, lots of smaller Italian races in the lead up to this. Also, um, kind of all have quite similar sort of characteristics. It's a really nice little block of racing in Italy. Great, all good watches to be fair, actually. And it's kind of an interesting one. Very hard to predict who wins Lombardia. You get a real mix of world tour riders and more more kind of one-day races like uh, Full Sang, who've won it in the past. Um, and yeah, it's kind of it's kind of a bit of a weird one, a bit of a weird part of the season. There's nothing left to fight for. Some people yeah. arguably yeah. trying to like, save a season. Um, and then like last year, we just saw kind of the best riders in the world, Pogacar and Roglic, were the ones fighting it out for the win. Um, so yeah, not too sure who's really gunning for it this year. Evenepoel, would probably go into it as a favourite, but he uh, decided to end his season after winning Worlds. So, so yeah, should be should be a good one, and we'll probably see a final start list confirmed. Alejandro Valverde uh, would be a lovely winner for me. I'd love to see that, but um, probably it's not, not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, disclaimer: it is not happening. Yeah, that's for sure. well, not for sure, but um, yeah, he did well. He didn't go to Worlds. I presume to prepare for this Italian block, um, and hopefully that'll conclude with aiming for him winning winning Lombardia. But um, yeah, yeah, like you say, probably probably not. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting race. Um, 
but yeah, very unpredictable. You never know who's really on form for it. Yeah, it's a beautiful part of town. Starting in Bergamo, uh, heading towards Lake Como. Uh, well, hits the mountains before it does so, and then finishing in Como City, uh, not far from the Swiss border. Uh, looks like a very, very hilly stage. Uh, it's going to come down to a very small select bunch, uh, wouldn't you say, with it being such a long course, 250 plus K, uh, 5,000 feet, uh, 5,000 meters of climbing plus. Uh, Tagay Pogacar, obviously the winner from last year. Uh, I think once again, it's going to come down to a very select uh, select group of riders uh, with one of the, f- well, whoever's got the legs for the on the day, really, whoever's saved it uh, coming out on top. Uh, yeah. It looks like uh, it'll be a, f- a good finish to the season. Um, but yeah, I, I feel that um, I have some sort of race fatigue this year. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I feel I'm more geared up for cyclocross season. I feel bad saying it, but yeah, I feel more more up for cyclocross season than in Lombardia currently. But but yeah, no, I think um, looking at a general start list now, Adam Yates, another one who didn't head out to Worlds but showed strong form, uh, Danny Martinez, and uh, yeah, Bogatcha, Vlasov as well. Another one, he him not allowed to go to Wales because of his uh, Russian nationality. Um, but yeah, should be a good race and always an interesting way to end the season. But like I say, it's, yeah, very unpredictable. Absolutely. Um, it'll be good to talk through it all, Rob, next week. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll dissect it all then. Thanks for yeah. coming on. Cool. All right. Cheers, Sinead. Bye.